Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Today is the day you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I won't worry about tomorrow. I'm trusting in what you say. Good morning. Today is the day the Lord has made. We are continuing to rejoice. We are glad in it. All right. Today is what I'm going to call double giveaway day. Well, actually, Paul Perot came up with that, but it's really good. Double giveaway day. And that means that in addition to the three copies of David Kenneman's Faith for Exiles, Five Ways for a New Generation to Follow Jesus in Digital Babylon, that we are giving away today, we are also giving away copies of uh, of the next book that we're going to talk about. And that's by Jolene Philo and Gary Chapman. Now, Gary Chapman's name you very likely recognize, best-selling author of the Five Love Languages. You hear a lot about the Five Love Languages here on uh, Faith Radio. Jolene Philo is a name that is familiar to you if you are in the special needs community, if you are uh, engaged in ministry in your church with children who have special needs and families who have a child with special needs. If you have ever read A Different Dream for My Child, Different Dream Parenting, The Caregiver's Notebook, um, uh, Every Child Welcome, which is a ministry handbook for including kids with special needs um, that she co-authored with Katie Weatherby. I mean, this is um, uh, Jolene Philo is not just an expert in this field. She has been engaged in in what I will describe as ministry, first in the field of education for some 25 years as an educator uh, with special working with special education teachers to mainstream kids in in elementary school. But since 2003, she has been working um, intensely, intentionally in this space as a writer and speaker, helping to equip the church in this uh, it's already a massive, but it needs to be a growing area where we recognize that uh, the people who come to church the less, the least, like the least served population in our culture are people who have children with special needs. Why is that? Because we at the church um, expect everyone to sit still and follow rules and and be uh, be able to move along in some sort of graded way and read the Bible out loud on demand in public. I mean, on and on and on. The things that um, many children cannot do um, at the age and stage of life where we you know demand that they do it in public in front of others, which is a great embarrassment if you can't read at your grade level. So. Um, that's one part of this conversation. Another part of this conversation is this huge constituency of people in our culture today who have children who are on the autism spectrum. So we, we talk about them being on the spectrum. You might think about uh, Asperger's as one way of describing one end of this, really high-functioning folks who also, though, have uh, have challenges when it comes to relating to the world as um, as it is and how we engage in our culture all the way to uh, kids who are nonverbal because of uh, the the variety of autism that they have. Some of them need a lot of stimulation. Some of them need no stimulation. And how are we accommodating um, all of those special needs in our churches? And how are we doing it in our children's ministries? And how are we doing it as neighbors and friends? And really, how are we doing it in our own homes? How are we as parents and grandparents of these kids 
How are we learning to speak their love language? And that's what this conversation is about. So this book is uh, is the love languages, which we are all familiar with, right? The five love languages sort of translated into uh, an accessible way for families, particularly parents of kids with special needs. So that's the conversation we're going to have next. Her name is Jolene Philo. The book is Sharing Love Abundantly in Special Needs Families, The Five Love Languages for Parents Raising Children with Disabilities. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. All right, I'm just going to go ahead and say uh, here right at the outset, if you're a parent of a child with special needs and um, and you're challenged, you're exhausted, you are fearful, you feel inadequately equipped not only to love your child in their love language, but inadequately equipped to engage with the educational system and the church educational system in terms of getting the very best for your child, being sure that those are spaces and places where they are welcomed and loved um, this book is for you. Uh, the book is Sharing Love Abundantly in Special Needs Families, The Five Love Languages for Parents Raising Children with Disabilities. It's co-authored by Gary Chapman and Jolene Philo, who is here today. Jolene, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you. It's good to be with you this morning. So I, um, I'm i in this category as both a step-parent and a grandparent. Um, I have a, a stepson who has some very special needs, and church has been a challenging environment um, and so has uh, so has school. That won't surprise you. I now have a granddaughter who is on the autism spectrum. Um, she is she's not nonverbal, but um, but she is on the end of the spectrum where she's better off if there's lots going on, lots of noise, lots of physical interaction, um, you know, high stimulation. And obviously mm-hmm. the, the church and school are not environments where that's necessarily encouraged all the time. So let's talk about love languages related to children with disabilities. They still have a love language? Yes, they do. We all have love languages, as Dr. Chapman talks about in his other books. It's just a little more difficult or um, takes a little more time and effort to figure out what those love languages are in some cases. So tell us about your story, because you have an experience raising a child with a life-threatening medical condition. And I think it helps people to know that you're not just an academic approaching this. You, This is a lived reality, a lived experience for you. Yes, it is. In fact, it goes back further than the birth of our first child. I was actually raised in a home where my father had multiple sclerosis, and my mother, brother, and sister and I were his primary caregivers throughout my childhood and into our college years. So... Um, I had early experience, and then in 1982, our son was born, and his esophagus was not connected to his stomach, so he had to be transferred immediately for surgery, and he had about five years of frequent surgeries, doctor's appointments, tests, and all sorts of things before um, his digestive system could work efficiently. So yeah, I've been in it from uh, the birth of our first child and even from my earliest memories. So, Jolene, um, there's a there's a heart for kids here. There's a heart for parents um, who, like you, right? You are you, the world changes in, in in a matter of a second. 
Um, and it's yes. a completely different reality raising a child with special needs and the expectations and preparations we might have made to raise the perfect child, um, you know, whatever that means, right? So talk with us about that. Talk with us about parents who are living this reality um, and how different the world is than the world they expected to be living in. I think the main difference for parents raising kids with special needs is a real sense of isolation because their family and their child doesn't fit into the expected societal norms. And, you know, there's no, there's no handbook that comes with raising any child, but there are books that kind of give you an idea of what to expect from your baby and then your toddler and so forth. And our kids don't often fit in those and we don't have anybody to talk to. It feels like often and they take more time and more care and it's harder to get out of the house and so pretty soon you feel really isolated. And it, that can be hard on a marriage because you only have each other to rely on. And so um, somehow we need to get the message out to the people around these families so that they can be supportive and helpful and kind of step in to that gap and, and help um, these families manage what they're going through. Uh, again, I'm talking with Jolene Philo. The book is... Loving, oh, sharing love abundantly. I was going to say it was abundantly loving. Um, sharing love abundantly in special needs families, the five love languages for parents raising children with disabilities. Um, the content of the book is really excellent. My my listeners know um, what a fan I am of appendices. And so I... <laughs> I love the appendices of this book, um, and I love how practical it is. I love how it is a manual that is equipping uh, parents, but I feel like it's also equipping um, those of us who are like one layer removed from what's going on in those households. So I really feel like every grandparent out there who suddenly has a grandbaby who um, you know is is a child with special needs. They need they need this. Like they you know neighbors. If you're if your next door neighbor just had a baby and that baby is you know now or at two or three is now diagnosed as being on the spectrum. Like you need this book because we need to know as you know as sort of those layers of um, of support around parents who are who are living this. Um, this is this book is a gift, not just to parents and then ultimately, obviously, to the children who are going to get loved in their love language, which is just such a such an important way to approach the conversation. But everybody else needs to learn this as well. I need to know how to love Emma best. And I need this kind of help because she is not a person that I'm with 24-7. Um, I don't know her as well as her own parents do, but I want her to know that her Grandma Carmen loves her. And so I need to learn how to speak her love language and then to be able to do the same for kids at church and the families of kids at church and on and on and on. So um, the book is a real gift, and we're actually giving some copies away. So if you're listening right now and you're saying to yourself, I need that, I need that, the book is Sharing Love Abundantly. You can text me at 877-933-2484. You can email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Let me remind you, I need more than your name. I need your physical mailing address if uh, if you want to enter for a copy of this book. Jolene Philo and I are going to return to this conversation after a really quick break. We'll be right back. Continuing my conversation with Jolene Philo, we're talking about the book she co-authored with Gary Chapman, 
Sharing love abundantly in special needs families, the five love languages for parents raising children with disabilities. Um, Jolene, I wanted to let you know some of the people who are listening right now. Uh, Kathy has texted in. She's listening right now. She's got a sweet special needs two, two and a half year old granddaughter um, who's got a very rare uh, metabolic disorder. And she says, I need this book. Right. So we're you're talking. Uh, you and I are talking today. Um, we've got somebody who just texted in from Cedar Falls, Iowa. I've got a special needs child and, uh, and I would love the book. So just, I just want to affirm you, um, that this is not just a, a, a need you perceive. This need is real and real Christian families are out there today, um, seeking the kind of resources that you and Dr. Chapman have now offered in this just most excellent resource. Um, I just, I think I just want you to talk personally for a moment about the motivation to aggregate this material and to put it in people's hands. Like, what's your heart for this? Well, I remember every day, um, and I'll probably get a little shaky here talking about it, but I can vividly remember those days in the hospital when, you know, I was alone, my husband had to be at work or whatever the reason I was with my son and I can still see that woman and how she needed someone to come alongside her and uh, the people in our little community did the best they could, but none of them had children with special needs. And so ever since that, and that was 37 years ago, I've always been thinking about those families. And it took a long time before um, I realized that God was calling me to write that book. I kept thinking all those years I'd go into bookstores, where are the books for parents and kids with special needs? And there weren't any. And then finally, when I had the opportunity to um, leave teaching and start writing and speaking, it was as if God just tapped me on the shoulder and said, you know, that book, maybe you're the person who's supposed to write that. And so my first book, a devotional for parents of kids with special needs and disabilities called A Different Dream for My Child, came out 10 years ago this month. Mm. And it was hard. It was a hard sell. Um, people weren't sure that there was really an audience for books for special needs parents and parents raising kids with disabilities. But as I quickly found out, there was, and that led to my other books. And then a few years ago, the opportunity arose for me to collaborate with Dr. Chapman on this book. And when we uh, contacted each other, his comment was, you know, I've had parents asking me for years for a book like this when I speak. They come up and say, but we have a child with this or this, and the love languages don't quite fit. But he said, I, I don't have a child or a grandchild with special needs, so I don't feel qualified to write the book. So he was basically, he said, just waiting for the person to come along who could collaborate with him to so that both our areas of expertise could reach out to these families. And it's, it's just been um, a delight to me to see how God has made all of that happen. So let's talk about how the love languages do apply. Um, to children with special needs, uh, you know, just pick any one of them because there's a there's a chapter on each. Um, folks who are familiar with the five love languages will recognize them. Most of us know what our love languages are. Um, so, you know, love is a child's first love language. I love that you cover that in chapter four. But then you move into this loving your child with special needs, words of affirmation and quality time um, or gifts, acts of service and physical touch. Talk, talk about um, you know, talk about what's different about loving a child with special needs through the five love languages than than a typical child. I think the main thing we have to remember is we need to consider 
the child's developmental level as well as their chronological age. So if a child has something like a developmental delay intellectually or whatever, and they um, operate at the level of maybe an eight or nine-year-old, but they're 15 or 16 years old, we need to think of how to deliver that love language in a way they will really understand. So we may have to accommodate. Uh, and instead of expecting, uh, let's say, quality time to be spent doing a board game like chess or um, something that involves a little more critical abstract thinking, you may need to play shoots and ladders or sorry with that child so that they feel like um, they're in a comfortable space and they're sharing quality time with you in a way that is comfortable and affirming to them. Well, and something that every once in a while they can win. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And they're going to learn right. skills and eventually oh, yeah. they may be able to ch play chess, but you have to start where they are and build that scaffolding they need to succeed and then move on with new skills. That's exactly right. Uh, you are, um, uh, you're talking about the world I live in. And so every <laughs> single day. And so I just, uh, I, I, I'm, I can see, uh, I can see this, I can feel it. Um, I, I know of what you speak. And so again, uh, we want to make the book available. We have some copies to give away, um, but we also want to be sure that you guys know how to find it. It's Sharing Love Abundantly in Special Needs Families, The Five Love Languages for Parents Raising Children with Disabilities. Um, Jolene, we've got a couple more minutes. Do you want to tell us a story? Oh, gosh, what kind of story could I tell you? Well, here's one of my favorites. One of the families in the book has a 36-year-old son named Joey, and he... Um, has some medical issues, but he also, his developmental level is about that of a six-year-old, I would say. And the parents talk about how for him, it is appropriate at night to tuck him in and give him a kiss and maybe tickle him. And even sometimes um, in, the, in the morning, he'll want to come in and crawl in bed with his mom and dad and spend quality time that way because that's his developmental age. And so I think that's one of the fun stories. Um, and another is just that of a little girl who is nonverbal and her parents figured out that her love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch. And they figured out that that was her love language because every time they use words of affirmation and sit with her and cuddle her, she just lights up and she becomes more fully herself. And I think that's what we're looking for when we try and figure out what the love languages of are for our children who have some different disabilities and special needs. All right. So if you guys want to connect directly with Jolene, I'm going to recommend Jolene Philo, and that is spelled P-H-I-L-O, JoleneFilo.com. Is there somewhere else that you want to send people as well, Jolene? Yes. A better website is actually DifferentDream.com. That's Perfect. my website um, that deals with disabilities and special needs. So DifferentDream.com would be a better one to go to. Fantastic. DifferentDream.com. And again, we're talking today um, about her latest book, but she's got tons of resources that you guys need to check out. DifferentDream.com. Again, if you want to enter to win a copy of the book, um, we just encourage you to, to text us at 877-933-2484 or email me, Carmen, at MyFaithRadio.com. Jolene, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank you for the great gift of this book. Well, thank you for having me, and give Emma a hug from me. I will. Absolutely. Hey, have a great day. Friends, you we'll be too. right back.
So um, every single one of us is struggling today with something. Like we just are. And life is not as as easy as we thought maybe it was going to be. Or it is complicated. We knew it was going to be complicated and hard. Um, but we're kind of tired of people offering us platitudes related to that. Like we're... I'm, you know, we're tired of, of people saying, oh, well, you know, uh, God, God will strengthen you through this. While that may be true, um, while you are trying to carry a load you cannot bear over a bridge that is uh, swinging beneath you, um, like what I really need is the person who says, you know what, you're yoked to Christ. I'm yoked to Christ. Let's be yoked to each other. Let me put my shoulder under that burden with you and let's walk together. Like people need to be, we need to actively be withing with one another. Like, who are you withing the faith with today? Um, people are struggling. People of faith are struggling. And so come alongside someone today. Uh, and if you say to yourself, well, I'm struggling. And so I'm not in a position to strengthen the weak needs of someone else. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. And you and I both know that we are strengthened in our walk of faith when we help someone else in theirs. Like, we know that. We've done that before. And so in the act of serving another person who is struggling, you will actually be strengthened in your own walk of faith. That is that is how it works. That is the working out of the faith um, each and every day as we walk uh, with the Spirit and by the Spirit. Um, I'm sure I'm supposed to be doing something right now. Oh, I'm supposed to be uh, talking about our, 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 our break. We're going to a break? We're going to the bottom of the hour break? Is that what we're doing? Hey, we're going to a bottom of the hour break. And um, uh, next up... I'm going to be talking with uh, Alicia Childers. She's an apologist. She's going to actually help us to think about what we're thinking about. Uh, Being Christians who think critically without being critical. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. When disrespect in your team rears its ugly head, it's time to make sure everyone understands the rules for fighting fear. Hi, I'm Mark Grayston with Parenting Today's Teens. Disagreements are a natural and important part of healthy relationships, but teens need to learn how to argue with respect. So if you've got a disrespectful teenager at home, here's the kind of message you can deliver. We love you and that will never change, but we won't allow you to talk to us that way anymore. We understand your need to argue your opinion, but there's a better way to do it. So from now on, disrespectful words or actions will not be tolerated and we'll throw in some extra consequences to boot. Make sure your team clearly understands that you're willing to listen, but you're not a punching bag. Someday, he will thank you. Learn how to get your team back on track. Get instant access to Mark's free parenting course online at freeparentingcourse.com. Welcome back. I am joined now by Alisa Childers. Alisa is what I will describe as an apologist. For those of you who are, you know, maybe not familiar with that term or you only think of that term as something that we do like in propositional debates on a stage against an atheist. Um, Elisa is more what I would describe uh, what well, I like to talk about it this way. Uh, She's a conversational apologist. She's getting into the conversations of the day. She is uh, reading what the world is reading. She is reading the world through the worldview of uh, the lens of Scripture, through through the Christian faith. And she is helping us to have critical minds, like be people who are critical thinkers without becoming people who are viewed as critical of other people. So there you go. That's the way I will describe what Elisa is up to. You can check her out. Uh, She's got a website, Elisa, 
That is spelled A, Lisa, Childers.com. Elisa, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Hi, Carmen. Thanks for having me on today. Absolutely. So um, you and I operate in um, in maybe different parts of the same uh, in the same world. And so we might know the name Rachel Hollis. Others who are listening right now may have never heard the name Rachel Hollis, which I think for those who have heard her name, they're now like slack jawed and they're like, what do you mean people haven't heard of Rachel Hollis? Okay, so let's just start (laughs) with that. Who is Rachel Hollis and who has heard about her and why? Okay, so so I had not heard of Rachel Hollis uh, prior that's to because, reviewing. See, that's you. That's why I think you and I are so much alike because neither had I. So there you go. go ahead. Yeah, and so okay, so I th- I believe it was somewhere around maybe a year ago today, last August. I started to get a few emails from blog readers and podcast listeners who were asking me about this really popular book called Girl Wash Your Face, and they were telling me this is so influential. I mean, I had a friend tell me that her church had a small group study of this book. And and so I, I just thought, okay, I need to check out what this is all about. And I did recall seeing the book either. It was like in Costco, I think. I had walked by it and and thought, oh, that I'm, I'm starting to see this book cover pop up in a lot of places. And so I did a little bit of research on who Rachel Hollis is, and it turns out that uh, the the book Girl Wash Your Face was one of the best selling books of last year. I believe it was in the top three, uh, only outsold by Michelle Obama and one other, I believe. So it was incredibly popular, and and so I began to see how influential not just the book, but as a brand, Rachel Hollis, her, in fact, it's even referred to as an empire, this internet empire that she has grown. Um, and so in the book, she talks about wanting to be a mogul. She wants to be this really successful businesswoman. So I started checking out her Facebook page and she's got just a million uh, followers, at least at that time, it's probably grown since then. And she did all kinds of things. She cooked and decorated, uh, gave self-help type advice, and uh, she's funny. And so um, as I began to see, she would do Facebook Lives every day. And so she had really gathered this community of people around her. And, and, and the only reason I was really interested in reviewing the book and in looking into her is because she's a self-proclaimed Christian. And so that's when my ears perk up and I say, okay, well, that's, that's in my area. And I want to see if what she's teaching lines up with scripture and, and things like that. And so I noticed that her book was, at the time, number one in the religion and spirituality category on Amazon. And so there was a lot of her talking about her faith in the book. And so that's why I was interested in reviewing it. And um, it turns out I, I didn't think it had a, a biblical message at all. And so uh, I wrote the review, and and that's kind of how I was introduced to her. Okay, so Rachel Hollis is, is an empire. Um, I think that is the right word to use. And in her introduction of herself on her own website, she describes herself not only as a proud working mama with four kids and an ultra hunky husband. She says right out, I worship coffee like a deity. I read books like my life depends on it. And I think vodka with LaCroix is one of the greatest inventions of the last decade. Now, uh, right. Okay, so I'm going to read that. And as a a Christian with a, you know, what, you know, it's a fairly mature faith, right? I mean, I, I'm, I know how to uh, converse pretty freely about what scripture says about most things. I am going to read that and I am going to say to myself, I'm not following her. I'm not following her on social media. I'm not following her as a disciple who appears to be further down the, uh, you know, the, 
the the way, capital W, with Jesus than I am. So why are so many Christian women following this person? Why are we doing that? What is what yeah. is she feeding us that we think we are so hungry for that um, that we're willing to gobble up what is clearly not gospel? Well, I have a few thoughts on this. I, you know, of course, I haven't researched this extensively, so I can't speak from a place of authority on it. But just in my experience of discovering this community of people, it seems to me there's a lot of factors in play. Number one, you have biblical illiteracy among a lot of Christian people in general, but but women certainly as well. Uh, a lot of women aren't studying the Bible as uh, just opening the Bible and studying it. They're they're maybe getting a devotional or or something else, and that's really their quote unquote Bible study for the day. And so there's a lot of biblical illiteracy. So so recognizing counterfeits isn't as easy as it might have been in years past. The second mm. thing I think is you have, you know, the internet. So as moms, as women, you know, when you have little babies, I remember this phase of my life. You're very isolated. It's hard to get out and be around people. You you kind of feel like you're always trapped in your house with these miniature humans and you just want adult interaction and you want somebody to say, I understand what you're going through. And so she creates that for, for people, especially moms and women who might feel lonely. They find this sense of community uh, around her social media and they feel like they have a place to go where they're understood and where they can just laugh about the silly things their kids do or the things their husbands do. And so it, it creates, I think it's an emotional need that is filled in that sense to feel like you're a part of something. And, and I just, I think that as a culture, uh, we, I think everybody's looking for that. And that's really what the church is supposed to be. And so maybe it's women who haven't found that strong sense of community and support from church, but they're feeling supported, uh, even though it's not real because it's on the internet and, you know, those people aren't really there for you in real life, but it feels that way. And so maybe it brings a little bit of comfort. That's, that's, that's the best I can think of. And I think also because her message is so self-focused, like that's attractive to us as human beings. And so all her message throughout the whole book is just, you know, you come first. Everything that you get depends on you. It's all about you. Never give up on your dreams. Uh, just just get what you want no matter what it takes. If the window closes, you know, crawl through a vent or something, you know, just, just get what you want rather than saying, Hey, submit these dreams and these ideas and these goals to God and let him make of your life what he will. Uh, it's just, it's a very self. In fact, she said in her book that her biggest dream is to be, is like, she has it taped on her door. And so she's got the cover of Forbes featuring self-made female CEOs, because that's her goal, a vacation house in Hawaii and a picture of Beyonce. Those are her life goals, Rachel Hollis. And I actually felt really sad when I, when I read that, because I thought, man, those are really empty, sh- shallow goals. And and her, the other message is she promotes this idea of religious pluralism. So it's very quote unquote, and I mean strong in, in quotes, tolerant, because it's actually really not tolerant at all. But her message is, hey, whatever you believe is great. You know, I, I do the Christian thing, but you might be doing something else. So it casts a wide net for people to say, okay, well, whatever I believe about God is fine. I'll, I'll find community here and I won't be judged. But of course, that doesn't work because anytime you do something like that, anybody who disagrees with the worldview of what is really religious pluralism 
is going to not be tolerated. And so she does have like a zero tolerance policy on her Facebook page for anybody that might speak up and disagree with someone on something. So it's, it's, it's sort of this, it feels all inclusive, but it, that type of mentality never is. Okay, so we're talking with Elisa Childers, who you can follow on Twitter at Elisa Childers, and you can also find her online at elisachilders.com. She and I are going to wander around in some of this uh, conversation about recognizing counterfeits when we come back. we got to take a quick break. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right, I'm talking with Elisa uh, Childers. Elisa, why, uh, why are we coming back with that music? <laughs> that is the music of my old band, Zoe Girl. That's actually my how favorite song that? that we ever recorded. Yeah. Okay. So that, how fun is that? So for my uh, for my music junkies out there, you already knew Elisa's name, um, but maybe you don't know what she's doing now, which is equipping uh, equipping the church to sort of recognize counterfeits. I'm gonna, it's a it's a ministry of apologetics. You need to check out what she is doing at elisachilders.com. You can also follow her on social media at Elisa Childers. So, yeah, little little Zoe girl mixed in there for uh, <laughs> for fun. Okay, let's yes. talk about recognizing counterfeits. Pick any one of these uh, that you want. Um, you outline them, and if if, if folks want to check out the article that I'm actually making direct reference to, it's actually on the Go- Gospel Coalition website, and it's entitled "Girl, Wash Your Face?" Question mark What Rachel Hollis Gets Right and Wrong uh, by Elisa Childers. But it's um, uh, I think that you and I. Uh, have tilled some of the soil that you cover in this piece. Help us recognize one of the counterfeits that people mm. miss when they read people who are so positive and high energy, but not necessarily Christian. Yeah, well, I think the most prevalent lie is in the article, I lay out basically three lies because her book, it was kind of a play on what her book is because she talks about uh, lies, you know, her book is about lies you believe as women. And so I t- kind of flipped it and said, well, here's the lies that Rachel Hollis believes, basically. And the most prevalent lie throughout her book is is lie number one, you come first and your happiness depends on you. I mean, all throughout the book, she reinforces the message again and again that you, in fact, this is a quote from the book, you should be the very first of your priorities. And it's it really actually forms the infrastructure uh, for how she responds to just everything from hardship to trauma, uh, to parenting, to working out, to what you're going to buy, to how you should uh, uh, parent your kids uh, at school. And so it's it's all about you. And uh, so the, the, the way this message just fails, though, first of all, it's not biblical because the Bible says Jesus said, if anyone comes after me, let him deny himself, not put yourself first, but actually deny yourself, take up his cross and follow me. And as we know, in, in the Roman Empire, the cross was a, was a symbol of death. That meant dying to yourself and following Jesus. Well, her message is the exact opposite. It's put yourself first. You have to be the first of your priorities, and then you can maybe think about taking care of other people. And, and you see that play out in the way she describes how she goes about different uh, areas of her life. And so where it also fails, it just, it just fails in a practical sense. In every scenario that she brings up, the answer that she gives is always just sort of like, you know, buck up little campers and just do it. And, and I think that that's a very oversimplified message. It's always just like, 
striving and, and, you know, maybe just run a marathon or just go get therapy or recite some mantras or read a good blog post. And, and everything that she brings about is just whatever you think is going to make you feel good. Basically, that's what you need to do to put yourself first. And she talks a lot about keeping the promises you make to yourself and, it's just, she literally brings up every possible scenario except surrendering your life to Jesus and putting your trust in him. And so, Elisa, when we hear you outline all that, we say to ourselves, why isn't that just blatantly obvious to everybody? How's this person sold more than a million books? How does she have a million and a half followers on her Facebook page? Why are literally hundreds of thousands of people paying money to go see her every year at her Rise conferences? Like, what is going on? And the yeah. challenge is that she's really, really engaging and joyful and, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, and right? She's very attractive in every single way. She's oh, very she's attractive. adorable. She, she is, is adorable. Like, adorable. right? You would, you yes. would want her life, right? From, out, from yes. all outward appearances, you would want her life. And so I think that when we, um, when we have conversations like this and, it's, um, and we have distilled out the obvious lies that are contained in the content we also need to recognize that if people were going to, you know, let's say check her out on social media, they are going to be drawn in. Like she mm-hmm. is very attractive. There is a mm-hmm. um, there is a charismatic draw to what she is and there's, doing. There's an authenticity to her as well in a certain Absolutely. sense. Because she'll come on Facebook Live with no makeup on. And so, there, you know, and just kind of laugh at herself and her flaws and and so I think that's very relatable, especially for women, because I, you know, we in my generation, we grew up with all these fashion magazines with these airbrushed photos. It was before the internet. Well, now with the internet, it, people are are tending to be more vulnerable because you just can't keep that up all the time. And right. so I think that's very attractive to women to say, oh my gosh, you know, my thighs aren't, you know, don't have to be airbrushed <laughs> perfect all the time. And so if they have somebody telling them that, it feels good. And and it can be, I think, difficult to discern, especially when there's that biblical illiteracy uh, present where where maybe the, the woman hasn't been trained to really spot the counterfeit. All right. Uh, who are you reading right now in terms of being equipped in your own life? Well, I'm studying Hebrews right now. Amen. All and right. I'm reading so we- the... Uh, the exposition of, of Hebrews, couple of commentaries. And I'm not, I'm not reading a, a book right now because I'm actually writing my own book right now. So most of my mental energy is going to that. But, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying uh, studying Hebrews right now. Well, uh, everybody who listens here regularly knows that one of the questions I ask every day is where in the word are you? So we now know Elisa Childers is today in the book of Hebrews and we uh, celebrate that. We'll be praying for you as you work on your book. I want people to check out uh, what Elisa is doing at elisachilders.com. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We got to leave it right there. Elisa, thank you so much. We'll be right back. Thanks, Carmen. Yeah, thank you. Okay. So Elisa um, provokes for us the question, who am I following? And so I want, you, I want you to ask yourself, who am I following? Are they faithfully leading me? Are they yoked to Christ in such a way that I should be yoked to them? Are they leading me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake? Um, who am I following? And, and then who's following me? And what responsibility do I bear to not lead them down uh, paths of destruction, right? So there's, there's a part of this conversation that as disciples... Uh, we need to recognize who we're following and who we are leading. Don't be a counterfeit today. Be the real thing. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LeBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.